Welcome into this edition of the IDS Football Podcast alongside Will Coleman and Caleb Kaufman. I am IDS men's basketball columnist Jack Grossman. <laughs> God, I hate the IDS sometimes. <laughs> First, my recaps get credited to the wrong people. It's and always th- Jared Kelly. It's always Jared Kelly. <laughs> it's always Jared Kelly. <laughs> So uh, I saw that today. I want to pay a raise. Whoever the new EIC is in like two weeks. With all this mix up, I demand a raise. I rolled out of bed today. First thing I saw was eighteen Twitter notifications. I was like, what the hell happened? Because I and I check it and I see Jared Kelly giving me <laughs> credit shout out. for the basketball guide that I had <laughs> literally nothing to do with. <laughs> to be fair, I kind of forgot I even wrote a basketball guide story. It's been so long because they were due like. Three weeks ago and got published today. So what did they do with them? For yeah, it's a good question. That is a great question, Jack. It's one the writer can't answer. <laughs> saying that I already complained, saying why is it due when all the design people are like, we're not even going to look at that for probably another week. So big questions to be answered here by Phil Steinmetz, sports editor. <laughs> and uh, in typical fashion, like a SID he probably should be, he will not give us a straight answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a start. What yes. a start. We haven't yes. even gotten into the juicy stuff with IU football today. Yes. I, I was I was worried when we said we were going to do this podcast this week on IU's bye week. I'm like, what the hell are we going to talk about? Because Oh, Jeff Gag had the, different ideas for you. What do you mean? Well, the news dropped. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, but I was getting to that. <laughs> like, I thought you were just going to power through my comment, but I guess not. There's... Really, nothing to come out of the IU Northwestern. I mean, IU just beat the snot out of Northwestern, and that was it. I mean, yeah, Pennix got hurt, but that seemed to you know, happen every other week, anyways. So, what's the stat, Will? He started six games and started only six finished games, two. and he only finished two of them, or sorry, three of them. Well, he left three due to injury. He didn't finish one of them, I think, but. Well, EIU, he left with injury also. Yeah. So isn't that three games yeah. that he left with? Yeah. Well, no, he left um, EIU, Maryland, Maryland and, Northwestern. and Northwestern. Yeah. He didn't play in Nebraska, so. No. So that's five games that he started. He started six. What was the other one that he started? He Ball started- State, Eastern Illinois, Michigan State, Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern. All right, well, he got pulled in the Rutgers game. Right, game, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so. So he didn't finish four. Three were due to injury. I think it's just easier to say he didn't finish four. Okay. <laughs> because and he, but the epitome of a glass cannon. <laughs> yes, but I'm like, what the hell are we going to talk about for 25 minutes? And then... Uh, well, it's a good thing we didn't shots, record yeah. on normal Tuesday time. Yes, thank you, IU Basketball, for that. That would have sucked if we did this and if then If we that did it and then four out. hours later. We definitely would have been recording Before it's even published. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, as everyone knows by now, Mike Penix is out for the season with... What has been described as I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot here, an injury to his right sternocalavicular joint. That was a I'm not gonna. I'll give it a B plus A minus right there. That's good, good enough. People, if you don't know what he said, just look it up. Yeah, it's basically uh, it's in layman's stern- terms. Yes, I think it's where ahead. the sternum and your like collarbone uh connect. That, that joint. is the joint that connects. Them. Yes. Yes. And he apparently had surgery on it. So yes, on Monday, apparently it was successful, but he's he's done for the year. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what are our thoughts on Michael Penix being done for the year? Takes the team 
that probably had a, actually a legit shot at getting to their nine win Indiana in the regular season with a possible upset bid against Michigan, and now is looking to get now nine win Indiana is looking iffy plus a bowl game. That's where I'm sitting. Yeah, I would say regular season-wise doesn't change a whole lot. I mean, two of your last three are against Penn State and Michigan. Those are two top 15 programs. Michigan's a fake top 15 program, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Just just going right at Teo Mackey. I mean, there's not a whole lot of time left in this season. I think it's more so just about how deflating this is. I mean, this is a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries, and uh, this is really the first big injury they've dealt with since losing Koi Kronk. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how they respond to the adversity of this one, though. On Monday, Tom Holland did say, I, I hate uh, not knowing who my quarterback is every week. Well, now he knows who it is, and it's Peyton Ramsey. And we in, insert sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but, whichever sound effect you think is appropriate, you can insert but it. How, how do we evaluate Penix's season? Because when he was on the field, he was really, really good. I mean, he had, he had the seventh highest QBR in college football this year. Yeah, that's, I think that's insane. I mean, he set a school record: twenty passes completed in a row against Michigan State. He was really good against a good Northwestern defense before he got hurt. They're really the only two good defenses he played all year. But in both those games, he was really, really good, and he was good against lesser competition. Also, I think top to bottom, he kind of proved just how strong his arm is and how good of a quarterback he is. Um, but what we didn't know is kind of that killer instinct that he had. I mean, the 20 straight completions against Michigan State, who who knows where that game would have been if he wasn't. Well, I'd argue he showed a, he showed a killer instinct uh, two instances. One in that Michigan State game leading the drive to tie the game at the with two minutes left. And then if you go back to the Ball State game, he led a touchdown drive in a two-minute drill. At yeah. the end of the first half, and yes, I know you can laugh that it was Ball State. Sure, sure. But, but he did that after throwing an interception, yeah. making a few, you know, typical freshman mistakes. I think he, yeah, he threw two interceptions in that game. I mean, yeah, one of them wasn't his fault; it was a tip ball, but the other one was just a terrible throw. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he showed that he can bounce back from mistakes like that, even in his first collegiate football game, or start. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of spaced out there and <laughs> lost track of where that conversation drifted to. I'll be honest. What's happening? <laughs> we're talking we're, about. I know we're, we're talking, talking about panics. About panics. Like, please, please do this on the toss up tonight. <laughs> what exact context are we in right now? I like legit we're spaced out. We're evaluating this season. Oh, then I'm right. I had this in my mind. Then I spaced. I'm going to take the words of friend of pod uh, Matt Cohen, where it's the biggest question mark that won't be answered this yeah. season. That he wrote an article about it, uh, and I thought it was pretty good. But it's just he was everything IU wanted their quarterback to be it, this year. Everyone. Came in, big arm, check. Was able to run the ball, check, even though some he didn't do it a huge amount. Was when accurate. He, when he did, he got seemed to get injured. Was accurate, check, even though some argue Payne Ramsey is accurate, but he's accurate downfield, which is an even bigger thing. But he just couldn't stay on the field, and when he was on, he was electrifying. The offense hummed as good as it possibly could for the most part. And now, days out, it's kind of just what could have been. Could I have gone to that nine, possibly ten wins? In a season, that that's with him. He's there. It's yeah. a, it's in people's mind now. It's kind of drifted to that. What if they're good, they should be at eight? They should be Purdue to get to the eight mark. Nine's looking iffy based on what their bowl situation probably looks at. Looks like if they get an SEC team or someone good, that's not going to happen most likely. 
Yeah, and, so. that, and that's kind of where this season is going to be. I mean, even they get that eighth, eighth one, it's going to be viewed as a special season. But even with that, it's going to be viewed as hollow as an eight-one season for Indiana football can be. Because it, it the, should be the baseline at this point. If you're, if you finish yeah. the season at seven, I wouldn't call great, it. As, just, it's not a disappointment because yeah. anytime I even gets the six wins, gets a bowl game, exactly. it's great. They got seven, so they jumped over that mark even more. But it's also in the same sense as a disappointment because the season had so much promise. People were actually excited for Indiana football. Yeah. Like, I mean, the biggest cheer at the basketball game game Tuesday night was them when, promoting yeah. the bowl game. Exactly. So, and it's, I remember, I, even, I think I even said this on the WIUX broadcast, there was the on the photo that they put on the big board promoting the bowl game, it said, your Hoosiers are 7-2. <laughs> and it was just kind of like the athletic department being as shocked as anyone that they were actually 7-2. <laughs> well, Jack, you were the highest uh, record projection going into this year out no, of the three. I had what? the lowest. You had the lowest? I had them at 5-7. and seven. Oh, So me and Jack, me and Will had them at 6-6? Six and six? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so whatever. Memory. Yeah, no, I'm not getting that one. Fact right. error. Yeah. Fa- fact error yeah. right there. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> still, we me and we were the optimists at six and six. Yeah. And that was a stretch too, even thinking that they would get there. At seven should be at eight. So if you don't get that eight, I would it's a good season a good disappointing season. That's how I'm gonna t- tab mean, it. And and assuming they get that eighth win, I mean, what's their best one of the season going to be against a Nebraska team that's probably not gonna make a bowl game? I mean that's right a, now. That's, that's a that's huge the best victory one. for IU going into Lincoln and winning. But let's not well, fool that, ourselves. That's not a good Nebraska team. Well, you were about this early in the season about all their cupcake non-conference games, and the whole point of how Tom Allen has designed his schedule the last couple of years has been just get that six wins. Now they're yeah. there, and it's kind of I know schedules are set years in advance, so it's hard to switch it up in near future. But going forward, once they have to start setting schedules. It's going to probably be looking and I still, like you have one legit and maybe non-conference game. Well, well here's the thing. That, or and, semi-legit. And I mean, there's, Indiana's going to have somewhat difficult non-conference games every once in a while. They have a three-game series with Louisville, I know, off the top of my head in the mid-2020s. Which is, that, is, that, that, is that going to be still considered which, a solid non-conference game at the hell knows at what, that yeah. point? The, both, both programs could no easily telling. be decent or easily when, implode. When Louisville and Indiana set that series— Kevin Wilson and Charlie Strong were the head coaches. <laughs> and, that says a lot. R.I.P. Charlie Strong, and, man. Yeah. And I was a big fan. Louisville was in between the Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson eras. They were in the AAC. Indiana had Kevin Wilson. Uh, Tevin Coleman had not yet broken out. They had just decided that Nate Sudfeld was the face of the program. <laughs> he Super Bowl winning quarterback, Nate was, Sudfeld. Yes. Yes, he had just won the starting job over Cam Kaufman and Trey Roberson. <laughs> Feels like a life so, ago. And that was only like five, six years right. ago. And and that's only halfway to where the series is. So who the hell knows where both of those programs are going to be when that, when those games are played. I'm going to go on a hot take right now. Neither of the coordinators for IU are going to be here when that series takes over. Yeah, because Caleb DeBoer legit, go- yes. legit could be a head coach next year somewhere. Or at least move, maybe move up to a better offensive coordinator position if needed. I don't see that really happening. It's not a super big reason to do that. But he could easily find a job somewhere, I think, as a head coach. I'd say he's a rising he's so candidate. Good. Exactly. Many and then, places across the country. As up and down as IU's defense has been this year, Kane Womack, people forget, if they don't know, he's the youngest uh, defensive coordinator in the Big Ten right now. That's going in your feature, isn't it? 
It is. Don't worry about that. <laughs> the, the, we don't need to leak that. I have the exclusive rights on that one. Um, and also, just he's an up and coming guy. He has the pedigree. He's worked at some pretty good jobs. And his dad, being Dave Wilmack, former defense coordinator for Ole Miss, also helps and everything. But both those coordinators can go somewhere. And then, even though they're, I mark them down as fake rumblings about Tom Allen possibly trying to move up in jobs. I don't see that happening. The whole staff theoretically might be gone by then. I think Tom will still be here, but I doubt both coordinators will at yeah, that Kevin point. Yeah, Kevin going to be a head coach. He's going to be a head coach soon. There's, he's going to be a head uh, coach at a good place. It it's going to be an up and coming program. If they're able to to continue what they've done so far this year, whereas even when Penix hasn't been healthy, the offense has still been really good in most of the games that they've played, scoring 30 or more points against every team except for Ohio State. And, you know, Ohio State's the best defense in the country, number one in the CFP rankings. Will's holding back a smile right now. <laughs> no, but, I mean, to be able to go on the road, Nebraska's bad, their defense is worse. Put up 38 with a backup quarterback. It's still impressive. He cashed his check halfway through the yeah. season for his incentive. Yeah, uh, putting on 34 against a good Northwestern defense is not did he do it in, easy did, to do. No, he did all one more than the minimum amount of games he could have done it in, I believe. The Ohio State game, they didn't yep. get to the 30-point mark. Right, that's the only game. Yeah, so he's, he's killed it in his job. Yeah, and, and if you look at the talent coming into the season, Penix was a question mark. He ended up being great, but Ramsey's played a lot. And that would have been a knock if Ramsey had been just outright starter. I mean, starter. the main reason for me picking IU 5-7 and seven is because I thought that Allen was going to have Ramsey be the starter. Yes. And with the way that Allen loves Ramsey, I'm—I mean, this is total speculation BS, but I would argue that Kalen DeBoer had as much to do with Penix oh, being yeah. named the starter, if not more, than Tom Allen. Well, if I remember correctly, and I might not be— I feel like early in the season, I want to say it was the second press conference uh, Monday media day, when people were asking, like, just coming to the decision of Penix. If I remember correctly, I believe Allen was like, he mostly, he had input and talked to Kalen about it, but he kind of put it on Kalen to, who do you feel most comfortable with? And they made the decision together, but Kalen clearly had an influence on it. Yeah, but... And, and then if you look at the surrounding cast as we're talking about the offense, yeah. Nick Westbrook and Donovan Hale... Both were expected to probably outproduce what they've done this season for the most part. Wops outproduced what he was expected to do. So, I mean, well, and then Steve Scott gonna... just came onto the scene for the season the last four weeks. Yeah, he has been. He has gotten better as the season gone has gone but just along. You he look at the whole really cast. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't expect the offense to be this good. I'll put it this way: I didn't expect it to be as spread out as where so many different people can contribute. Obviously, Wop is the lead guy. It's it's Wop's show, with Stevie Scott also featuring a main role as the season's gone along and his role is going to grow even more as Ramsey is now the starter but the fact that Westbrook Hale have they underwhelmed a little bit yes are they have they still had productive games where they've been factors yes Peyton Hendershot's come out of nowhere and has had a yeah. really good year Ty Freifogel's had a really good year he's become a legit and he's their, red he's their fourth receiving yeah. option their fifth if you include yeah Miles, tight ends, Miles I mean. Marshall's been you know, he's he's there every once in a while. David Ellis, I really like how they've used David Ellis. Even Stevie Scott, who yeah. his biggest knock coming into the season was he was a two-down back because you couldn't really throw to him. He's even been able to get involved with the passing game and catch the ball. Yeah. Big, even had a receiving touchdown you, last week. If, if you're saying, looking for disappointments this season, then maybe the biggest disappointment is Samson James. And it's not like yeah, he has that, had that, a... That, he has, he only, almost has yeah, no control over it. Exactly. He doesn't have control about his play time. And he, people forget... 
well, don't forget because it's pretty obvious, but he's a true freshman. And you don't always expect a true freshman to contribute as much as some thought he would coming in. And that's about the only thing you could knock Kalen DeBoer on is that Ronnie Walker and Samson Janes have just ha- not done anything this year of note. And that they've burned through, especially Samson James's redshirt eligibility. Yeah. Yeah, but... Moving on. And, and it's going to be a big key how Kalen DeBoer handles the offense the rest of the year because it changes with Peyton Ramsey in there. It yeah. absolutely does. And you're facing two of... The two of the three best defenses are probably four. I mean, you can throw Michigan State in there also. You know, um, that you're going to face all year in Penn State and Michigan. And Payne Ramsey, as good as he's been in Kalen DeBoer's offense, still has struggled against good defenses. His QBR and the games that he's played against bad defenses, so EIU, UConn, Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska, Ramsey has an average quarterback grading in the 70s and had and had one game, the UConn game, at 97.9. Against the only two top 60 defenses he's faced all year, Northwestern at 21st and Ohio State, the top defense, QBR 33.6 against Ohio State, 57.4 against Northwestern. By far his two lowest marks of the year. And that's not just a this-year thing. That's been my biggest issue with Ramsey throughout his career at IU. He just hasn't been able to produce well consistently against good defenses and going into at Penn State and Michigan at home even with Kalen DeBoer I just hesitate that they can do enough with Ramsey behind center to win the game I'm with you and I I was gonna say this earlier I think kind of now that Penix is out for the year I think how Kalen handles the offense and how he handles Peyton in the next coming games could easily determine if he's still with the program next year I think if he makes something out of this, out of these last three games plus the bowl game, and IU can put together two plus wins, then that could be his ticket out of Bloomington and to a head coaching job potentially. Yeah, if I'm if I'm a program that's middle middle upper tier and looking for a head coach, I'll say somewhere around FSU, probably a little worse. I'm not sure Kalen's qualified to take an FSU job right now. But that Kalen DeBoer would be near the top of my list. If you're looking for an offensive coach, it he's like a mid-major, like a MAC program, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I only put FSU in there for perspective and also because even though they're in the ACC, they've been struggling, and I'm not sure who's going to be jumping at that job at the bit. But he's been able to turn around a not-great IU offense last year to this year, and he's had success everywhere he's gone. Fresno was a turnaround job. Um, I'm blanking real quick. Where was he before then? Um, uh, wasn't it like a Dakota? I believe so. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm dropping the ball on this. But that was also a turnaround job. He, he did a great job. He's not ha- had a rough go of things anywhere he's been. Every place he's gone, he's made big improvements. That's what you look for in a head coach. And it kind of stinks for IU that they finally get this offensive mind. Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan. There we go. They, they get this offensive mind, and it's possibly a rental job for one at most two years, and, if, and and he's a guy who's been a head coach before. People forget at the uh, NAI level from '05 to '09, he was the head coach of Sioux Falls. He coached seventy games. Do you, would you like to know how many he lost? Seventy, in those 70 games? games. I'm gonna guess he lost two. Give me four. He was sixty-seven Damn. and three. Damn oh, it! Wow. <laughs> what the difference? Come he on. made the NAIA championship in four of the five years he was there. He won three of them. The only time he didn't make the NAI championship, he lost in the semifinal. 
<laughs> I, I'm gonna break one of my cardinal rules here, and people who know me know I'm I don't care about like rules and how optics look. This is the one because Tom Allen has had such great success and he does a great job of recruiting. This is the one exception, but almost any other coaching job like this where, situation that IU, I would have promoted Kalen the board if IU was just horrible. But that's how good he is. He needs to get a head coaching job somewhere. L- like for the listen Redskins. to uh, the records of his teams. <laughs> 11 and 2, 14 and 0, 13 and 1, 14 and 0, 15 and 0. In conference play, 9 and 1, 10 and 0, 10 and 0, 10 and 0, 10 and 0. 49 and 1 in conference play. Jeez. <laughs> that's that's crazy. That's actually ridiculous. <laughs> so he's legit. Yes. He is very very He knows legit. what he's doing. Yes. So in that sense, honestly, though, if there's anyone that you would want calling the plays in the situation that I use in, it's going to be Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. I mean, I think I've heard a lot of people give him credit to just Peyton Ramsey's improvements this year. Um, oh, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be very interesting to see how these next few games play out with that. He's openly said that he doesn't change the play sheet between him and Ramsey but he understands that there are two very different quarterbacks and they have very different comfort levels mm-hmm. in their plays. And you've seen it with Penix. DeBoer has been more willing to launch it downfield and stretch defenses. With Ramsey, he knows that's not his strong suit. He's willing to throw underneath, but still forces the issue every once in a while. Got to keep defenses honest, and at, especially after the Ohio State game where, as Jack pointed out, they just stacked the box against um, IU and we, they didn't even take a shot downfield yeah, no. for the most part. They've kind of changed that, and Ramsey's had some success, surprisingly, downfield this season. Not all throws. Yeah, it's been very much, let's just throw it as far as I can and hope for the best. Exactly. Not all throws are... And and he hasn't gotten picked off yet. Not not all the throws are pretty, but they're not horrible throws that we're sometimes accustomed to seeing on his deep balls. Yeah, the biggest difference between Ramsey's deep ball and Pennington's deep ball, other than, you know, just the pure velocity that comes off of it and just, you know, how much more accurate Penix is, when Penix throws a deep ball... If he misses on a deep ball, he misses long to where normally that's going to result in an incompletion, worst-case scenario. Ramsey underthrows people when he misses, misses on wide, which concerns me sometimes. On a deep ball, yes, and he can miss wide. That's where you can turn the ball over and lead to interceptions. So that's so that's where, you know, it helps when you have receivers like, you know, Hale, Freifogel, Westbrook to where they can kind of, you know, reach over Moss people like we saw Hale do in the right. Northwestern game, and you think back to the Nebraska game, the second and 20, 38-yard pass, longest completion of Ramsey's career at IU, it was basically Fry Fogel cut, catching a jump ball over a defender. So that's where Indiana needs to use its long athletic receivers. And they got big ones. I talked about it early in the year. I thought Donovan Hale was, especially him, in line for a huge year just on deep balls with Penix because he's a big guy. You, like you might not always see it watching TV, but if you're next to him, he is a big receiver that can and very athletic who can go up and get get a ball over much smaller cornerbacks. And he's shown it at times this season, especially he's kind of been a corner end zone specialist in my mind. He's been able to find balls and bring them in. But with Ramsey, it kind of shifts different roles a little bit. It's going to be very much a, as much as Watt Filler has been used. The the Filler show is going to get even bigger, I think. And then yeah. Freifogel, I think, will explode even more. I think it'll be pretty important to find out who that kind of second option is behind WAP receiving with Ramsey at quarterback. Because, um, yeah, like you said, it cha- it kind of changes. This, this, this is a question I'll pose to you two. Do you think Hendershot started out really strong this season, 
He's faded a tiny bit. He's still productive, but just not quite as many. Hasn't scored uh, in a while. Less plays. He hasn't scored in a little bit. Do you think he kind of gets a little bit more action with uh, Ramsey? Just the nature of where I, I he, he runs does, his routes. Ramsey's a guy that likes likes to uh, check down a lot. Yeah. But uh, especially when there's nothing there, he um, in whereas Penix will take a shot down the field, give a guy a jump ball chance. Ramsey a lot more often is just going to check the ball, try to just you know get three yards, especially on third and ten. <laughs> I think I, I knew it was going there too with Jack with you. You you love mentioning his reluctancy to just throw the ball past the first down marker. A forty yard pass that gets picked off on third down is basically a punt. Yep, and no one realizes that in college football. That annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> But Ram, it's it's just so often Ramsey. It's third and nine, third and seven, and he just throws a four yard dump pass. It's like, dude, you gotta throw it past the first down marker. <laughs> just 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 popped into my head, and I'll put it out there. The one thing Ramsey could does kind of bring to the offense, which Penix brought, but I was kind of reluctant to use it, and and when they did, he got injured often. Ramsey's been able to run the ball a lot more and been more effective in yeah. read options this season than Penix, which is kind of good for IU. Definitely opens up some room for Stevie and whoever the second running back that day seems to, be, seems to rotate Walker, through. Usually. Walker, sometimes they try to get James involved. He hasn't always seen it. But he's been able to run it, and that's been actually really success, successful for IU this season. You saw it a lot in the Maryland game and then against Nebraska. So I feel like that's also a new, I don't want to say wrinkle, but a more... A prevalent thing we'll see from IU's offense going forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the season's final three weeks of the regular season and, of course, the bowl game. We'll be back next week to preview the IU-Penn State game. That's all the time we have for today, though. For Caleb Kaufman, Will Coleman, I'm Jack Grossman. Thanks for tuning in to the IDS Football Podcast. We'll catch you next time.